0: Welcome to episode 481, our second installment of Coping with the Pandemic. Uh, again, we do not have a guest this week, uh, similar to last week, and I'm going to mostly be reading your surveys about how you're coping with the pandemic, your thoughts and feelings, uh, some light stuff, some dark stuff, and I'm going to throw in some other surveys there, some some love, some happy moments, some awful moments. Um, most of you have probably read this or heard this it was posted all over Facebook and it's a poem by a woman named Kitty O'Meara and uh, she writes and the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and were still and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced. Some met their shadows. And the people began to think differently. And the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed, and the people joined together again, they grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. Again, that was by uh, Kitty O'Meara. And it went pretty viral, understandably. And she wrote that after seeing in the news that... Uh, Air quality has been improving since this started. Uh, Wouldn't it be a nice silver lining if uh, we were able to make some headway in reversing the effects of climate change? That would would certainly be cool. But until then, I'm just going to binge on Netflix and shut out everything and numb myself and eat (laughs) Pop-Darts. Here's how you know that you've been watching a lot of Netflix if every night that message comes up asking you if you're still watching. If you have not seen that message come up asking if you're still watching, you've not really binged on Netflix. And if you see it every night, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. I've been binging on Ozark. Oh my God, it's so good. It's so good. I love that feeling when you're just starting a new season of a show, and you can tell they still got the mojo going from the previous seasons. I can't imagine how much work goes into writing that show. On a positive note, I have been in the woodshop. <laughs> Do I say busy as a bee and sound like I'm a hundred and eight years old? Uh I've been very busy. I don't I don't know where this energy is coming from to get up and take on the day. But that feeling of dread that I in normal life is there almost every morning when I wake up. It's not here. And I feel bad. I feel guilty because so many people are suffering. So many people have been devastated by this, and I'm in financial fear. There's a lot of question marks about what my life is gonna look like financially in the short term and the long term. There's a good chance I will never be able to retire. But when I wake up in the morning, there is a feeling of freedom because I don't have a schedule. I don't have any obligations. And I don't feel that dread that I won't have what it takes to have a productive, socially engaged day. I got more done yesterday than I have in years. I don't know where this energy is coming from. One of the things that I noticed is when I go for a walk... People are looking at each other now. It always bothered me when I would go for a walk or I'd be uh, skating my dog Gracie and I'd make eye contact with somebody and they they would avoid it. Or I'd say hi and they wouldn't even respond. And it just, I wouldn't get mad at them. I'd just feel sorry for them. I just can't imagine going through life. And this is coming from somebody that is a, a bit of an isolator i don't know it's it's puzzling to me but people are making more eye contact is it fear but they seem to be smiling more too i don't know let's read some surveys this is an awful moment filled out by a guy who calls himself a rock in my shoe he writes i used to be a high school english teacher but i got fired because i'm a drug addict sex addict and I suffer from a confused mess of mental disorders. Bipolar, ADHD, generalized anxiety disorder, etc. Anyway, I was arrested for drug possession a few years ago, and at the county jail, the cop who made me strip down naked, squat, and cough to make sure I didn't have any drugs hidden inside my asshole was the father of one of my former students at the high school where I taught English. I told him to be nice to me because I gave his illiterate son a C+. Every little thing feels like the end of the world that shame in order to feel the pleasure. And I was being a dick to everybody. We are social beings. And the only way you're going to get it out is to cry. We need to be with people. I grabbed them by their throats and led them down to the floor and watched the breath leave their bodies. Well, Maybe listen, thanks for coming in. <laughs> I realized I forgot to do the intro at the beginning of the episode uh, where I say my name and what the podcast is about. And you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. This is an awful moment filled out by a woman who calls herself, I don't know if it's pronounced Dodgeball. She writes D-O-G-E ball. She, she writes, uh, I dropped a freshly peeled hard boiled egg on the floor this morning. I was busy getting ready for work. Believe it or not, my office still makes us work normally. So I just let my dog take it. He's a small Pomeranian, so his mouth was too small to take a bite of the egg. The egg rolled around the, on the floor like a hockey puck as he was attempting to take a bite. After trying for a few minutes, he gave up and sat next to the egg, just staring at it with longing eyes. My floor got all slippery and gross, but it was a funny moment that brightened up my day. Oh, my God, that's fantastic. Thank you for that. I was on a beach one time, This is years, years and years ago, with a, a, a friend. And uh, we were getting high, and it was spring in Chicago. And we were on a beach at the lake, and we were kicking a soccer ball. And all of a sudden, this dog came from out of nowhere. Really sweet, golden retriever, or not a golden retriever, uh, like, a, like a brown lab. And it started playing with us and trying to get the the soccer ball. And at one point, and, and the lake at this time, for those of you that don't know, the Great Lakes in the spring are just starting to thaw. So they are super, super cold. Anyway, the soccer ball goes into the lake and the dog goes after it and it tries to get its jaws around the soccer ball and of course it can't and it just pushes the ball further out into the lake and I think oh no this isn't good and it keeps doing it and it keeps pushing it out further into the lake and we're yelling at it we're trying to get its attention to get it to turn around and it is twenty yards out there now. And I thought, fuck, I cannot watch this dog swim to its death. So I take off my pants and shirt and I told my friend if I <laughs> if I freeze up, come come get me. Cause I know how cold the water is. And I dive in and it, it needless to say, I don't think I've ever felt anything that cold. But my adrenaline was also pumping. So I just swam as hard as I could. And as I was swimming, I could feel my muscles kind of not shutting down, but just getting tighter and tighter. And I finally caught up to the dog. It was probably, I don't know, maybe 50 yards out there. And I grabbed the ball and the dog wanted to play. And I'm freaked out at this point. And I wanted the dog to know that it was serious. So I punched the dog in its jaw. And it knew playtime was over. And we turned around and we swam back swam back in. And mind you, I had just smoked pot before this happened. <laughs> so you can imagine what a buzzkill this was. And I'm like, I plopped down on the beach. And it's like, I don't know, maybe 50 degrees out. And I plopped down on the beach. And I'm like, oh my God, I was so glad. So glad that both the dog and I were okay. And we put my pants and shirt on. And we walked back to the cottage where my friend and I were staying. And my keys and wallet, somehow had disappeared into the lake. <laughs> Double buzzkill. My brother had to come bring an extra set of keys, and he was studying for finals in law school about an hour away. He was he was not happy, but I don't know. That just made me think of that. This episode is sponsored by When Breath Becomes Air, Pulitzer Prize finalist and named one of the best books of the year by the New York Times Book Review, People, NPR, The Washington Post, Slate, and more. When Breath Becomes Air is available wherever books are sold. Learn more at prh.com breath. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is from the survey. What, if anything, do you wish for uh, during the pandemic? And these, these are just a variety of answers from uh, a bunch of people. As I said on last week's episode, normally I read surveys individual by individual, but um, I'll be reading these as a group. People to just acknowledge the input of people who don't fear death. We actually can separate the emotions from the debate. There are benefits to trauma and mental illness. I pray that God will see us through this and give us the strength and knowledge we need to fight this and stop it from spreading and killing more people. I pray for healing for the sick, physical, mental, emotional, and for people to be kind, generous, helpful, and that all would know Christ in his salvation. I hope Trump gets out of office. He is in too deep and causing problems. World peace Currently a concerted effort by all levels of government to do everything necessary to slow down virus progression and definitive help for those hit hardest by it. For no one I know to die from the virus, but really for no one else to die. Financial and job security. For everyone to just listen to common sense and true professionals and stay home so this can get under control. That humans as a species grow from this and hoping this helps avert negative effects from climate change. Peace selfishly for me, but also the world if we could achieve that. The virus to become weaker so it will be more like a regular flu. I just hope this blows over quickly. I want to be able to go to the parts of the city I usually avoid because the crowds give me anxiety. They'll be so empty and quiet now. I'd love to just walk about them and enjoy them on my own terms. My own place and happiness. For things to get back to, quote, normal. I'd love to have all my family close at this time and naturally not wanting any more deaths. On a personal level, I wish better mental health for both of my children and I hope that people will be kinder to each other since we're all in this together quite literally patient and compassionate everyday interactions. People don't need to make grand gestures to prove how great they are. I've been thanking people for coming to work when I need to get groceries or call a bank. It really cheers them up. I wished for swift and strong intervention from the powers that be, and that it won't be too late. I hope that all of the people who supported this president and the general policies of screwing the poor, the downtrodden women, immigrants, LGBTQ, etc., will be shamed and change their ways. Advances in science that would bring prosperity to a massive number of people in an unprecedented way. For all of this to pass, or at least for people to be more caring and rational. No problem breathing ever enough oxygen for everyone. I wish for the world to come out of this with a better sense of community and less political and social chaos. I wish to become a healthier and happier person. Honestly, abolish all organized religion. The president of Mexico pulled two Catholic amulets out of his pocket when asked about response to the pandemic. Only the governor of my state is being responsible. I wish the world was kinder. Nothing just trying to stay in the moment. Thank you for those. This is a happy moment filled out by a woman who calls herself Roxy is the best bully. She writes, maybe this is verging too much towards bittersweet, but here goes. My dog passed away almost exactly a year ago. It's been an extremely difficult year without her, but I have a lot of memories that bring me joy. For instance, I got a thorn stuck in my foot yesterday, and I remembered how... Any time my dog, named Roxy, would step on a thorn, she would stop walking, hold her paw up, and look at me with the sweetest love eyes. I would take her paw and find the thorn and pull it out while she waited patiently. Yesterday, I walked past a spot in town where Roxy had once stepped into the holes of a drain grate with one foot. She went all the way into her knee and just stopped and looked up at me. She was at the point where her back legs were giving out on her and she didn't have much strength. I bent down I bent down, and pulled her leg out for her and we kept walking. I love how she always found ways to communicate with me so clearly and how deeply she trusted me to help her. She was a pit bull and she was a lovely ambassador for her breed as one of the sweetest dogs you could ever meet, always with her tail wagging and a smile and always trying to give kisses. One time, I took acid with a friend, and right as it was kicking in, Roxy jumped into my lap. I couldn't see her body form at all. She was just this blinding, bright, wiggling ball of light. I told my friend, Roxy is a ball of light, and so I saw her true form. We spent 12 years together and over 8,000 walks. We walked twice a day. She slept in my bed. And no matter how depressed I was, she always got me out of bed to go outside for our morning walk. I woke up in the middle of the night a few days ago and looked for her at the foot of my bed, which I haven't done in a long time. I think the anniversary of her death is bringing up a lot of grief, but I am so thankful for the years we had together. I do feel her light with me frequently, and she visits me in my dreams. I know she will always be with me, and I'm positive that the universe will bring me together with another sweet dog companion when the time is right. That was beautiful. Thank you for that. And that's actually why I named Gracie Gracie, because I just felt it was the universe gracing me with the perfect dog. I was afraid to get another dog, because kind of like you, I didn't want to feel that pain. And uh, turns out she found me. This is from the pandemic survey, and these are people's answers to the question what are the most common thoughts and feelings you're having? Freaking the fuck out concerning the future. When will this be over? Will I survive the illness if I get it? Whatever wonderful governments then take this opportunity to go full fascist. What if food supply chains shut down? Man, I wonder what's going to happen. I'm a potential murderer of my family every time I have to leave the house because I could be bringing it home. I already hate myself enough. Let's just add that extra frosting coating of guilt. Don't forget the sprinkles of self-doubt. Every time I see the president on TV doing a press conference, I think to myself, how the fuck... Could I ever doubt my public speaking ability, or ever be anxious about it again? He is just terrible at it. Will this go on forever? When will things return to normal? I feel guilty for feeling so frustrated when other people are suffering so much worse than me. It's too fucking quiet in here, so playing music or listening to fave tunes has been helpful. I sing in the shower, but only using cheesy accents worrying about when my boyfriend can move here like we had planned. I hope society can recover from completely shutting down. I want to hide. Don't want to let my kids go home because they live elsewhere. I don't want to go to work but otherwise can't pay bills. Husband even more verbally abusive at times. As a young person, I thought I'd be the heroine in one of those novels I mentioned. A few years ago, I realized I'd likely be one of the many dead, with a story not even interesting enough to be mentioned in passing. Lately, it's been much more, please don't let me spread this thing around. I couldn't bear it if I thought I was a cause of anyone's death. I think it's going to get harder and harder to leave the house, and when this is all over and things go back to normal, as I'm just assuming and pretending they will, it will be easy to feel like I'm just a walking disease spreading my germs around everywhere anxiety and overthinking baby i have to take public transit to work and that makes me anxious i'm actually envious of people who get to stay home how much i really do hate cooking i hope i don't get it will i be able to pay my bills I'm probably infected and had no problem with it, but now I'm a carrier and don't want to give it to anyone in a compromised position who may have a problem with it. Dread, fear of dying, anger, and sorrow over the ineptitude of our leaders, as well as some people's attempts to minimize this. Just the usual end of the world, what world will be left for my son? Will my son have to take care of us financially because the markets wiped out our 401ks? Worry, worry, worry that one of us will contract it and spread it to the rest of us. Am I being too worried and paranoid? Will I end up getting it and passing it on to someone who dies, in effect killing them? Am I doing enough to try to mitigate it? If I get it or my boyfriend does, will one of us die? I am devastated at the thought of having to be hospitalized or die alone or or for him to. I'm afraid to get sick. I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid that my loved ones might get sick. I'm afraid that they might die. I'm afraid of the future economic implications of this quarantine business and how they might affect the daily lives of people around the world. I hate this. It's hard to understand the breadth of it as I'm licked into my little comfortable world. Yeah, we are all going to die. My entire household will die because of me. This is from the Love Survey, filled out by a woman who calls herself Warrior Woman. She writes, I love the feeling of success, epiphany, and relief that comes when I finally think of the name of that movie, person, restaurant, or that right word that I know I have in the back of my mind but just can't quite access yet. I love when I can feel the sun warming my face or body and to stop briefly, to look up, close my eyes, bask in it, and for that moment I feel healed. I love when I interact with strangers and we exchange warm eye contact or a smile. I love the physical and mental relief and that ringing stillness that comes after a good scream in the car or into a pillow when I feel like I need to get out the intense emotions I'm experiencing. Thank you for that. This is from the Pandemic Survey, uh, and these are people's answers to the question, what part of your life has been most affected? Finances. Almost everything. I'm fearful to even leave the house. I only go out for essentials and to get my meds. Being able to go out and see friends, grocery shopping. Just started dating a guy, but with everything closed, it's hard to go on dates. My trust there will be oxygen at the hospital if or when I need it. The pandemic gives my anxious mind one more continuous thing to obsess over. If I have shortness of breath, I freak out and get panicked, which makes it worse. Social contact, dancing, and hearing live music with friends. Honestly, I miss people and my volunteer work, but I'm benefiting from a chance to slow down. The dissociative identity disorder and OCD has been running the show. Like most people, the ability to buy the things I need. I've been traveling solo since last June, so right now I'm missing the ability to just sit in a cafe or go to a museum. I live a solitary life and most of my contact is online, so now that everyone else has to be online, I have more opportunities for contact. My job, my sense of safety, and my feelings of inevitable doom have all been negatively impacted. My business tanked, and I've lost the will to do anything creative. I had really just opened myself up and was happy to be creating again after the death of our daughter, and now I'm back at a standstill because I don't know how to cope with everything. Oh, man. I'm so sorry. My social life, after almost a decade of various addictions, I've been sober for three years and just finally started feeling comfortable on my own skin and around other people without drinking. It's a real bummer to not have that outlet, especially since I work from home about 60% of the month. The other 40% I'm traveling by myself. I'm in grad school to become a therapist and it has been moved to remote learning for the remainder of the semester. I really miss going to class. It was always the highlight of my week. I have also been having trouble sleeping. I feel the need to watch the news because I need answers. My anxiety is fueled by the not knowing, but it seems like the only answers I get from the news make me more scared than I was before. I've been having trouble sleeping, which I never had as a problem before. Last night, I had two nightmares about the virus work, all the schools are closed. Unable to connect in person with my fellow musicians. My cousin just passed last night and I can't attend the services. I can't see my long-distance boyfriend for at least another month. Being able to go to the grocery store and have everything available to buy. Kids out of school, uncertain feelings, businesses not open to go to. I don't go into an office now, so I guess that's the main thing. However, the whole situation has shifted my perspective a lot. I've always loved sci-fi, and I like apocalyptic fiction. This is like the beginning of every novel about the end of the world. I am somehow both surprised and not surprised that it is happening. I think the real kicker is that the pandemic, combined with literal plagues of locusts, And all kinds of other current events just make it seem so very, very real. Very little. I've just gone from not being very social to not at all social. Worrying if the store will close and I can't get my cigarettes. Vodka is my new best friend. My personal life, because I'm pregnant, I hesitate to go out for doctor's appointments or basic necessities being scared to be around anyone or touching anything outside of my apartment. Not much has changed for me. My anxiety is a little higher than normal. It's odd to have human... Oh, I I don't have the page to end that one. I didn't realize that. We'll find out next week what the other half of that is. This is from uh, another question on the pandemic survey. If you could be quarantined or isolated with anyone, who would it be? No human that I can think of for such an extended period of time. Kate Blanchett, David Dean Batrell, a pile of scripts to read through, and an unlimited supply of weed and pizza. My boyfriend and my cat, Ten Ten. Several puppies and kittens. Mila Kunis, obviously. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right. My grandchildren, children, husband, and Tommy Lee Jones. A, that's a kind of a cranky character to want to be quarantined with. You want to be with Tommy Tommy Lee Jones for all of his light-heartedness and beaming smiles. <laughs> We already have the plan in place at my house. The bedroom is set up, ready to go with a cot downstairs for whoever isn't sick. My son. Exactly the people I'm with. My family, and I have them. I'm extremely lucky. Maybe next quarantine, Jason Momoa. Don't know if I could promise six feet of social distancing, though. All the books I've wanted to read, but haven't. I think it would like an endless supply of good chocolate and Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks always calms everyone down with his kind and gentle way. My boyfriend, my best friends, my cousin and her family, Glendon Doyle and all her people. A nice, large, warm home with lots of books, lots of fresh food, and someone who knows how to cook it. I'm 100% happy with who I'm quarantined with now. No one. I'm an anxious introvert. They might want to talk to me, so I will stay alone with Netflix, Cats, and your archive of podcasts. Love your podcasts, Paul. Well, thank you. I would rather be quarantined with like-minded spiritual entrepreneurs. My family is great fun, just not moving forward so much. I'm all good with my partner. We're good together, together in stressful times. My closest circle of friends, the difference three to four more people would make, would hopefully get me through. My family plus a cat. My landlord doesn't allow pets, but I grew up with many and I really miss the impartial love that only a pet can offer. Plus, I'm naturally very communicative with cats. My whole family, including my boyfriend's family, at least his dad and two of his younger siblings. I don't know. I've lived alone for too long to want to live or be with anyone. I wish it was me and my best friend. We both know how the other is under stress, and we both know how to help watch each other. While there would be tensions, I feel like it would be more manageable. My boyfriend, whom I live with and love so much. I guess I'm in the best possible situation having my kids around every day. Adding another adult to the mix would allow for some breathing room as far as alone time goes. My ancestors. Unlimited potential for questions and conversation. Oh, that's a great one. I'd like to be quarantined with my ancestors so I could ask each one, Where did it all go wrong? I wish I had someone who liked me around that I could talk to and enjoy being around. Seems like I will never find that, ever. I wish I had someone to talk to. I wish I was quarantined by myself in my dorm. Thank you for those. This is from the Love Survey, filled out by Teresa. She writes, I love the smell of nature after a spring or summer rain. I love the sound of motorcycles in the spring or summer. And the smell of a mechanic... After a day of work. That's an interesting one. I'm not sure I can picture exactly what... I, I, I know what a garage smells like. Seems like it would probably smell like oil. It's interesting the things that we enjoy that bring us comfort or just objectively smell good. These are answers from the pandemic survey to the question, what people or things have brought you the greatest comfort? My bikes, they're always what helped me. My kids and my dog, my mom, my sister, my coworker. Watching communities come together, artists, neighbors helping each other, reaching out. My daughter, family, pets, ability to continue working from home. My partner, my two dogs, my two cats, macaroni and cheese, oh sweet, sweet macaroni and cheese. My son, he's too young to understand what's going on but hasn't been mad about missing some of his favorite things, school, soccer, gymnastics. Online 12-step meetings, FaceTime with friends. I've been doing some online meetings for my support group and it is strange. It's comforting to to see all the faces of people i love but it's also weird to see the backgrounds seeing people in their living rooms or bedrooms or i don't know it's it's too much information so a lot of times i'll just who's ever speaking i'll just click on them so i don't see anything else kind of comforting seeing everyone freak out, to be honest. I feel like a monk. And again, these are, in case you uh, forgot, answers to what people or things have been the greatest comfort to you during this time. Things that distract me, like books and movies, having my partner at home. My anxiety about the virus seems to have freed up all of the other things I normally have anxiety about. I haven't been mad about rapists in weeks. I get to spend more time cuddling with my dogs, which I'm enjoying. My partner, he's my rock, even when he's worrying and I'm reassuring him. I don't really have anyone to comfort me except my doggies. Nature in our garden, seeing that the cycles of life keep going no matter what we humans are up to. Knowing that my kids are near. I love my pets, two cats, one kitten, and an American Eskimo dog, and they love me back. Their needs keep me on a schedule that starts with the dog breathing in my face if I'm not up by 6 a.m., and the kitten jumping over the dog and running laps of joy because it's almost wet food time. I actually appreciate Facebook because it helps me keep connected with friends now more than ever. My husband and kids, staying informed, delivery services, long showers and baths, my plants, doing work from home when possible, going outside and enjoying sunshine in my yard. Snacks, sweets, and booze in a moderation, but probably more than I would otherwise. Hope for the future. Having a safe, mold free home that's paid for. Some of my co workers, they're very caring and clear that they are there for me. My partner, my friends, but they are all states away. My boyfriend, my cat, music from 10 years ago, public radio. My wife, kids, cats, my squeaking toy chicken, and my good friend, wild turkey. My dog, Leon, a Mexican street dog who hasn't left my side. Facebook video calling family and friends. YouTube, technology. My cats, my fiancé, and our two dogs. The Internet, the Internet, the Internet. Dr. John Campbell's YouTube videos. Factual low-drama information about COVID-19. Online 12-step meetings. Podcasts, including yours. Thank you. Books, movies, the friends I'm comfortable doing phone chats with. Thank you for those. This is from the Love Survey. This is filled out by a woman who calls herself professional panicker. She writes, I'm almost always plagued by the gnawing feeling that I need to be somewhere else or to be doing something else. Oh my God, that is such a good description of that. Would you call it existential dread? I don't know. I'm sure the Germans or the French have a word for it. But every so often when my bitch cat decides to not be a bitch cat and graces me with her presence by crawling onto my chest, I feel like in that one moment, if even just for a moment, that there is nowhere else I need to be. My breathing slows as I watch her body rise and fall with my breath. The tension in my chest softens as I feel her warmth. I'm drawn into the present moment as her purrs get softer and softer until she finally does a big stretch and lays her tiny head down and lets out a little sigh before closing her eyes. Before I know it, she's asleep in my arms. I realized that this is just what I needed and for a moment the guilt is lifted and I allow myself to just lay there and exist. I wish these moments could last forever. That's a beautiful one and I do love that feeling when when I'm curled up with Gracie and she falls asleep, if, especially if her chin is on any part of my body. So, what is why, why is that? I guess because we feel like they must trust us so much that they will put themselves in such a vulnerable position. Yeah. As always, uh, this episode is sponsored by online therapy provider, betterhelp.com. Uh, I don't need to sell you on the merits of uh, online therapy with uh, all of this going on. I've been doing BetterHelp for a couple of years, and it has helped me immensely. And... As I've said before, I love not having to leave my house. My therapist is awesome. Um, I just re- really recommend you check it out. Uh, so if you're interested, go to betterhelp.com mental and uh, make sure you include the slash mental part so they know you came from this podcast. Then uh, fill out a questionnaire and they will match you up with a betterhelp.com counselor if they feel they have one who is a good fit for you. And then you can experience a free week of counseling to see if online counseling is right for you and you need to be over 18. We are also sponsored by Roman. On average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. But if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, hair loss, or cold sores, you want treatment ASAP. And With Roman, you can connect with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. make it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. So just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides treatment's right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your meds with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your plan. There are no commitments and you can cancel at any time. And I have used Roman. I get my ED meds from them and it's super straightforward, way cheaper than the other places I've tried. And I highly recommend it. So if you're struggling with ED, hair loss, cold sores, or other issues, go to GetRoman.com for a free online visit. And free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com/slash mental for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. We are also sponsored today by Best Fiends. If you have never played this mobile puzzle game, it is one of my favorite ways to decompress, to kind of veg out, but my brain also gets a little bit of a workout because There are puzzles involved in it, and I'm at like a level, I'm over 100, I know, right now, and I was worried that the game would become redundant or that it would become too hard, but one of the things that that I like about it is it's laid out in such a way that it it remains challenging and interesting, uh, even if you've been playing it for a long time. And I really, really recommend it. Best Fiends is a unique and exciting puzzle experience unlike other puzzle games out there. They update the game monthly with new levels and events so it never gets old. It does also not require internet to play so you don't need to worry about Wi-Fi access or using cell data. So engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. With over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. This is from the Awfulsome Moments survey filled out by a woman who calls herself Lucky Topaz. She writes, after Ohio was ordered to stay home, I was going out for the first time to take groceries to my elderly parents. I had Bluetooth selected from my car radio, as I almost always listened to podcasts, especially yours, or music, always set on shuffle. So when I started the car, a random song started to play. The first line, it's not the end of everything, it's just the end of everything you know. And this line repeats several times for the beginning of the song, just in case you miss it the first time, I guess. I was, and still am, totally weirded out. And FYI, the song is by Bob Schneider. It's called Bicycle vs. Car. I can't get it out of my head now. This is an awfulsome moment filled out by a woman who calls herself Sad Sack. and She writes, My beloved bulldog died suddenly one week ago today. Oh, I'm so sorry. R.I.P. Tony. I just noticed my allergies are essentially gone. <laughs> I don't want to be a know-it-all, but I was watching uh, coverage of the pandemic, and they said that people who are at risk are the elderly, and people with underlying medical conditions, and bulldogs named Tony. And... I kind of wish you'd seen it coming. Interestingly not, though, Bulldog's named Anthony. But seriously, sorry. Sorry for your loss. That is so hard, losing a dog. These are answers to the question, what people or things have been your biggest challenge? Social media, I have a different view of current situations as I believe we shouldn't live in fear and isolation isn't worth living. I've been forced to disable it. No one would listen to someone who has a different viewpoint. There's been no meat on the middle. People just state what they believe is law, shaming people who take a realistic view of life and leaving the emotional part to the side. Well, you know, my I understand your feelings about that, but the thing to remember is, you know, the experts aren't just saying all of these things to overreact or to make our lives inconvenient. And the other thing is, it's not about just you. This affects other people. Knowing we don't know the truth... About how homeless folks are dealing with this. Having my ex move back in to stay and help each other out with money, childcare, and work. News cycle and perceived lack of urgency seen daily. My boss, my job, having to go into work and being terrified. I have a job that can easily be, da- be done remotely. Coworkers, people around me not taking it seriously. Work. People who refuse to respect social distancing. The news and people in fear. It tends to get me in fear as well. Yet yeah, to that, that pers- first that first person's response, I don't know if they are aware that 18% of people who contract the virus require hospitalization. Those are both people who it's life-threatening for them and, and people who, uh, well, actually f- for both of them, there's the potential of it being life-threatening, but a portion of that 18% are people who are battling for their lives. And 18% is a large part of the population. And instead of focusing on being part of the 80% that won't be that affected by this in terms of symptoms, think about the 18% who are It's allergy season, so I have symptoms. Are they the virus? Only time will tell. Well, two of the most common symptoms are dry cough and fever. So if you don't have those, maybe there's a chance you don't have it, but I'm I'm not a doctor. I am a hypochondriac, though. That's got to count for something. Being at home has been the most stressful part because my parents' home is one additional household away from being on an episode of Hoarder's. Trying to clean to maintain a sense of normalcy has been overwhelming, especially since I am the only one cleaning. Cleaning. Oh my God, that sounds awful. My partner, we're stuck in a one-bedroom apartment together for the foreseeable future, and I'm worried about the strain that will place on our relationship. Not shutting down in panic. People panicking are using hyperbolic language that matches my worst fears. Friends being controlling and self-righteous. One of my daughters suffers from anxiety and needs reassurance often that she is not alone. Another daughter is going through a pregnancy after having lost three babies to miscarriage, not being able to give physical support. Another daughter lives in Spain where the pandemic is raging and she suffers from an autoimmune disorder. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't imagine... How stressful that must be. Living with my son is not easy. He has issues that he hasn't dealt with that I worry about. This has cast a pall over everything. My older daughter has extreme mental issues that she won't get help with and is living in a women's shelter in Seattle. She sent me an email saying that they had quarantined the woman sleeping one cot over from her. My daughter said she hoped she caught the virus and that she would die. Oh, that is so dark. It is so dark. And again, these are answers to the question, people are things that have been your biggest challenge during the pandemic. The panicked people. The president, my husband, my kids, resisting the urge to panic, trying to not overspend, wondering what the future will hold. My brother compounding my grief. My dad recently died and he has control over the estate and he has no problem with hurting me. I think he rather enjoys it. Grocery shopping and dating. I'm also avoiding my family as I don't want to risk my mom and my baby sister. By the way, shout out to all the healthcare workers, people who work in grocery stores and other people that go to work daily and have to risk getting this. Fear-mongering rumors and unverified facts. The media and clickbait fear articles and people in general not taking this seriously. Upstairs neighbor inviting people over to explain we all use the same entrance and stairway. Mexican friends not realizing how serious it is and wanting to come visit. This is an awful moment filled out by a non-binary person who calls himself Dorian. I live with my grandparents. My grandmother has severe dementia, and I help my grandfather care for her. She no longer knows this is the house that she's lived in for about 20 years. With regularity, she expresses how much she would like to live in a nice house like this one. And so often, I'm in the position to go, wish granted. Also, I never have to come up with new jokes. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. This is also an awfulsome moment filled out by a woman who calls herself Sonny. She writes, my boyfriend, well, ex-boyfriend, current friend, recently was honest with me in saying he loves me but is not in love with me. So now we're breaking up in New York City in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. He's been very kind to me and is helping me with whatever little things he can make this painful transition a little easier. Yesterday, he said he would drive me and a bunch of my stuff to a train station, which I greatly appreciated. I'm moving out of his place. When he turned on the car, my favorite Beatles song, Here Comes the Sun, was just starting. I felt so lucky to hear a song that is not only my favorite, but was also wonderfully appropriate for the moment. I had just found a six-week sublet after a month of couch-serving and was feeling great about it, like maybe I'm entering a slightly easier phase of my healing process because I'll have a place that is my own. I'm so lucky, I exclaimed in joy, and then immediately started sobbing hysterically. The dude handed me a napkin, and somehow, through hyperventilating, I managed to inhale a piece of the napkin and started coughing uncontrollably. The guy pulled the car over and said some comforting things to me, patted my shoulder, and then doused himself in Purell. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Thank you for that. This is from the uh, survey, I Shouldn't Feel This Way, and this was filled out by a woman who calls herself Double Depresso. She writes uh, to the question, how would you like to be remembered? I don't really care if I'm remembered at all. How does writing that feel? A little sad, but it's true. If you had a time machine, how would you use it? I love this one. I'd go back to 1967 and follow the Beatles around as they really began to experiment with drugs and write amazing music. I'm going to be a Beatles know-it-all for a second. And that would actually, 1966 would be the year to do it. That right around the time they did Rubber Soul is when the first time they experimented with uh, LSD. I suppose I'm not supposed to feel upset about the coronavirus, or I guess I'm supposed to feel upset about the coronavirus disrupting my daily life, but I don't. I feel relieved. I live in New York City and have been staying home for the past three weeks. It's like the virus has given me permission to stop playing the constant loop of shoulds that circle my mind all day, every day. Like, I live in New York City. I should go out instead of staying in my apartment all weekend. And I should be more social. I don't make enough effort. I also stopped eating out in order to save money and avoid germs. So it's also given me a break from my obsessive food thoughts. How does writing it make you feel? I feel bad saying that this pandemic is making my life better, but it really feels like it is. I don't wish sickness on anyone, but the break from the negative swirl of self-loathing thoughts is a welcome break. Do you think you're abnormal for feeling what you do? Yes, I keep hearing how loneliness is a big problem for people in this, and I feel the exact opposite. Would knowing other people feel the same way make you feel better about yourself? Yes, people tend to think I'm joking when I say I'm enjoying it, but I truly am. I feel terrible for the people who have been infected and or will lose their livelihoods, but it would be nice to know if others are enjoying their isolation. Yes, there are many others who are enjoying their, their isolation, and I feel, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, a lot of my feelings are, are similar to, to yours, and I feel fucked up for feeling them. Thank you for sharing that. This is a happy moment filled out by a woman who calls herself Frida. She writes, I love taking a nap when I can, and I'll say to my three little dogs, nap time, and we all pile onto the bed. Each has their special spot. I love feeling and hearing each pup circle and plop into place with a sigh. Oh, I love the sigh when the dog sits down it curls up the best is when my one dog starts snoring loudly best sound in the world <laughs> this is a happy moment filled out by a woman who calls herself hey are you okay she writes english is not my first language but i would like to share a moment with you for the first time in my life i had a deep depression crisis and my apartment was a mess And I feel like this is something that is little discussed. We need to talk more about personal hygiene when being depressed. Oh my God, I couldn't agree more. There is a smell to the apartment of a depressed person that is so... It's really, it's kind of similar to what couches in college smell like. It smells like like body oil that's aged. Uh, I didn't go to work. I spent days unable to get out of bed. I have four cats, so their dirt was spread all over the house for a week. I only got up to feed them, but I didn't give them the attention they deserved in hygiene. I was feeling awful about it. I didn't have the energy to do this, so while I finally decided to get up to talk to a doctor, I paid a cleaning lady so she could clean up the mess. I felt even more ashamed, but I would not be able to clean the house on my own. I felt like the most filthy person in the world, completely alone. I was afraid she would judge me. She looked at the place. She asked me how I was feeling. I collapsed. I told her everything. She, without judgment, said she would be happy to help me. She asked me if I needed someone to take care of the cats until I get better. She told me everything was going to be okay, and that was all I needed to hear, even from someone I didn't know. Knowing that someone saw my intimacy and yet was able to listen to me and not judge was all I needed in that moment. My house is clean and I'm getting better. Baby steps. Wow, thank you for that. Thank you for that and kudos on taking that that leap of faith and getting vulnerable. This is from the uh, happy moment survey, but it can also be from the love survey. I filled out by Melinda and she writes, I love the way the peanut butter looks when it's glistening on a warm piece of bread and slowly melting into the little crooks and crannies. That is such a good one. And then when you take a bite into it, you gotta kinda be careful cause uh, it'll roll, roll down your hand or your chin. This is a happy moment filled out by a woman who calls herself Willow. She writes, I've been having some recent family issues and started seeing a therapist. For the first time ever, I've shared with her that I have had past struggles with self-mutilation. Coming up on 10 years sober from it, yay. Prior to this, I'd only told my sister-in-law and another close friend, both of whom had done it. Recently, I've been having some cravings for self-harm, and I feared my therapist would involuntarily send me to the hospital if I told her. Mind you, I wasn't suicidal. I chatted with my sister-in-law, and she just said, the fact that you've resisted the urge will be reason enough to not send you to the hospital, but do tell her. I managed to get the same release by dunking my hands in a bucket of ice water. That staved things off. I had a session with her today, and with that accountability and desire to be honest, I shared that with her, bracing for the possibility of being whisked to the hospital. I was presently surprised pleasantly surprised. So were you able to resist the urge? Awesome, but do be mindful of any of that if any of any that come up. Huge weight off my shoulders, and I texted my sister in law after the session. You were right, such a relief, to which he replied, told you, weight off your chest, eh? Glad that it was met with support, not just a knee-jerk push for needless in- institutionalization and a big step to finally share it with a clinician. Good for you, man, good for you. And finally, this is an awful moment by a guy who calls himself, well, shit, fuck, damn, He writes, I was 14 years old and still spending the night with my grandmother every now and then. This was the mid-1980s, and I remember us watching the Golden Girls together and drinking root beer floats and me reading her ancient issues of Reader's Digest magazines while lying in bed. Still, I was a horny rascal in my teen years, but one would think a reasonable person would not experiment with putting grandma's hairbrush up one's ass because it might be really stupid. Well, Paul, I picked this survey for a reason. I abused the hairbrush, and it broke. And I couldn't get it out. Fast forward to the hospital. I still remember my grandmother saying to a nurse outside my room that he said he fell on it, but I think that's horse shit. I am assuming that you go handle first, because you got to work your way up to bristle bristle first. That is... That's an amateur mistake, going bristle first. <laughs> Thank you for that survey. And that's what I want to end the episode on, is the visual of a hairbrush handle <laughs> stuck in someone's keister. I hope you guys got something out of this this episode. I, I hope that you are finding moments to be kind to yourself during all of this because the last thing we need is to be our own worst enemy and to be judgmental. You know, there's a difference between trying to be conscious of ways that we could adjust our actions or our attitudes and being self-flagellating or cruel. And uh, as I like to say, nobody has ever shamed themselves into being the person they want to be. So hang in there, and um, just remember you're not alone. And thanks for listening. Go put that hairbrush handle up your ass. Handle first. Everybody I know is bizarrely beautifully fucked up in I know some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully, fucked, I know beautifully, fucked, I know bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way.